Hey everyone, welcome to a draft edition of the Beyond the Art podcast. You know who we had to bring in today, our resident draft expert, Gavin O'Leary. Hey Matt, resident draft expert, look at my title. I'm, I'm honored, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. I take me. it back now. Good to be I back. Take it back. Definitely not wow. a draft expert. Um, well, yeah, so Gavin's been that. on a bit of a hiatus from the podcast, you know, being the manager for the Santa Clara men's basketball program. How's that been going? Uh, it's going well. We... Well, it, it was going well. We had a tough loss to Washington State in the NIT. So that was the uh, end of the season. But great, great season overall. Um, excited to, for the next three years, see what our program can do. Um, but yeah, you know, can't shoot three for 23 in an NIT game and expect to win it, unfortunately. So yeah, at least you beat Cal Poly slow by like 30 points. Yeah, well, Cal Poly slow is a uh, is a... I'm going to choose my words carefully, but a, uh, a lower tier division one basketball team. Let's just go with that. Yes. Yeah, would you agree with that? I, I feel like you would agree with that assessment. I feel like we could have had a better record this year than our record should, but you know, we were there in the first half, but then, you know, Santa Clara picked up a little bit. All right. We're not going to talk about right, Santa you tried, Clara you tried your Cal, best. Cal Poly you tried basketball your best. though. We're not talking about Santa Clara Cal Poly basketball. It'd be a short podcast if that was the case. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the some of the top prospects that Gavin likes this year because I'm I'm not a huge um, follower of the NBA draft. So Gavin's going to kind of lead the way, and I've done my I've done my research. I've developed some opinions. So we'll see we'll see where we each other fall. So Gavin, start us off. Okay, well, I think there's a – the top five well, – I should start with the top five. We have five prospects we picked. The top five is pretty fluid, I'd say. I think there's probably uh, eight – seven or eight players that could be considered top five prospects and, like, potential to go top five. Um, it's a pretty pretty deep class, a lot of uh, superstar talent, um, potentially. Hmm, I think among – um, Well, I mean, I think amongst the top – there's there's i think there's some great players we'll just get into it I, i've given my my spiel on it my first prospect i have is jabari smith the forward out of auburn um he's listed at 610 220 um yeah he, he had a great year um in the sec for auburn auburn's currently a two seed in the tournament i think so i mean jabari smith was a big reason for that average 17.1 points seven rebounds and roughly two assists his shooting splits were very encouraging at 6'10", uh, 43% from the field, 42.8 from three on five, over five attempts per game, and 81% from the line. Um, I, I'm a big Jabari fan. So Jabari is first on my personal board, above Boncaro, uh, Paulo Boncaro, and Chet Holmgren. I, I like what Jabari Smith does offensively. I don't – I think – I think what he does offensively and how it translates to the NBA is, is above the other two. Um, he would, he ranked in the 90th percentile in jump shots. He was 95 for 228 during the season and 92nd percentile in catch and shoot. Even at, so at 6'10, he's a, he's a prolific shooter. He's uh, 25% of his possessions were spot up attempts and he ranked in the 96th percentile for that um, according to synergy. So like I, and that's not even to mention what I think he has the potential to do on ball. I don't, he's not going to be running a pick and roll for you for sure. Cause he's still, he's still going to be a forward, especially at the NBA level. He's not going to be doing that, but he has a lot of offensive versatility and Auburn utilized that um, throughout the season. And it probably will see that a lot in the tournament, but I'm super encouraged by what Jabari Smith has to offer at, at the NBA level. Yeah, so I definitely think he is a pretty good floor just because I think his defense is is pretty good, like overall in terms of just staying in front. Um, and then offensively, you know, pretty high-level shooter. But I think when you get into, at least for me, the, the nuances of his game, I have some concerns. So I don't have him. I definitely don't have him number one. I definitely have Chet and Paolo um, ahead of Jabari. And if I knew more about the draft, I could see maybe like some other guys that I would put um, in front of him. But so I'll start on offense. So I think he's just very like a very rigid offensive player. Like he doesn't have the fluidity, like movement wise, um, that would for me that would justify a number one pick. I think he's gonna end up being more of a leaning more towards a high level role player. And obviously, you know, 
he he could definitely surpass that. There is definitely a pathway for him to, but like when he doesn't have the best footwork coming into a shot, his shot's a little wonky. Just from like from what I've um, watched, which I haven't watched too much, but I I just think he he needs to have very clean footwork for him to get his shot off. And I think at the NBA level, like if you're cu- you're flying off screens at the speed that you kind of have to, like if you look at like a dunk like a Duncan Robinson for example. Um, like a lot of the times his feet aren't even like perfectly square, but you kind of have to like just adjust midair um, to get your shot off. And I really don't see that capability for Joe, because people say, oh, he could be like a movement shooter at the next level. When I think of movement shooter, I'm thinking of a guy who's like, he's going to do like kind of that pitch, that pitch game back and forth with like a five or like a handoff man. And I don't really see Jabari Smith doing that. I think of, I think of him more as like a, gets a kick out from someone creating an advantage for him. And then he, drive gets into his one dribble pull up so like the rigidness on offense for me is a little concerning to where i wouldn't take him number one like i just don't think he's going to be a fluid enough score um and obviously you know you could say that he he can develop that down the line because that, that craft doesn't come like right away it's going to take a while but the the issue for me is if he he's going to probably end up going to a team that's going to that might like lock if they're if because a lot of the if i'm looking at the top teams like detroit um houston orlando they kind of already have guys that are like creating advantages for others maybe it's not orlando um because you know cole anthony very pull up heavy but like the like cade's on the, the pistons and houston has a plethora of well, i don't know a plethora but like kevin porter jr uh Jaylen green who are probably gonna do a lot of the advantage creation so jabari smith's gonna be playing off the catch a lot um which is like his strong suit but he's not gonna necessarily develop like the on ball stuff that you I would like to see from a number one pick. That's my kind of my issue with him. I think that's that's a fair assessment. I, I don't know. I think what he offers in terms of like a, a pick and pop game, like he can clearly shoot it. I, I don't mind that. I agree. I don't think he's like it's he's not gonna be hitting like a like he's not gonna ISO and hit a three off the dribble. He's not gonna hit a step back. Like he doesn't have that like offensive skill set where he's going to be, he's going to be creating for himself per se. But I think there's a lot he could do that brings like, especially, I mean, it goes both ways. What we were talking about before is that like in NBA having high level talent guys around you opens up a lot of opportunities. So like you said, if it's like, if it's like he's on the Rockets and Jalen green pick and pop and he, and he pump fakes and then he gets into one dribble pull up, he can hit that. He can hit that shot consistently. I don't, I, you argue he's not, fluid enough I think I think he could do that at a at a consistent rate and I I mean and we'll go ahead I I I mean I agree I think he can hit that pull up the pull up jump his jump shot like when he has like a clean like a clean well not necessarily a clean look but like his setup into his shot is clean I think he's a really really good shooter it's just like when things get a little like messy like maybe there's like a like a hand close to his face he doesn't always adjust or like maybe he's like change the the rhythm of his like his footwork to like adjust for defender being near him and i think there he has some issues which kind of limits his ceiling and I, I, that can he can that can change over time um but just like right now um i don't think he really has that in his game so that's, that's kind of the thing with draft that like you can say he doesn't have he doesn't have like this thing that would make him um seem more like enticing of a prospect but like obviously he can, he's gonna get that craft down the line so right um, that's kind of the back and forth like is he gonna get that at some point like is he gonna understand like get that um level of feel at some point so, yeah and that's and that's fair i i was gonna say like i don't i'm not acting i don't want to act like i think he has all of that because i agree there are definitely some deficiencies in terms of that in terms of that department of footwork and like and having a, some sort of rhythm to his game but i've seen enough clips like they'll they'll set a drag drag screen for him in transition and he'll one, two into a rhythm three. Like he can, he can do that. It's not high volume and it's not nearly consistent enough. And like you say, when the defenders are closing out or they, they cup them or they come up the top, like there's, there's issues there for sure. But I've seen enough of the looks from it that I feel like he could develop that down the line. That's what I, as a tops prospect, that's what I'm banking on for him. So like that, that my projection is what puts him at number one, what I think he could do based on what I've seen. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we were talking about this before, um, but like we were kind of talking about like a player comp wise, like Michael Porter Jr. slash Chris Middleton. Um, I think Chris Middleton, his Chris Middleton's level of like feel and compensating for his lack of burst is definitely miles, miles ahead of 
Jabari, but that's just because he's a seasoned NBA player that has won an NBA championship now. Um, but yeah, just like a, like comping him to uh, Smith to like a player that doesn't have as high as like not not a super good amount of burst. I think is a good comparison. It's just a matter of is he gonna learn how to make up for make up for that that down the line. Um, and then for like the Michael Porter Jr. comparison we were talking about, I think Michael Porter Jr. has a little bit more of the like has weird footwork, but he can still make up for it by turning his body in the midair um, type stuff. Like I think Michael Porter Jr. is a lot more fluid of a shooter. Um, Jabari Smith is a lot more. I think he's, I just think of it when I watch him play, I just feel like he's a lot more rigid of a player. That's why I mean I don't. I think Chet and Paolo are a little more versatile on that in that sense. Yeah, in in comparison to Michael Porter Jr., I definitely agree that I think Michael Porter Jr. like body control and shot creation and kind of like generating that little bit of space to get his shot off is is far better than Jabari and probably probably forever will be. Like he is currently as Jabari still in college, but I think I think that's something that Michael Porter like that's has he has ahead of him for the foreseeable future. But I think I just I think that his offensive versatility I think there's a lot of different things he can do like as he develops and cleans up a lot of the a lot of the footwork and other things I think there's a lot he can do and that's not to mention defensively I mean I'll just throw him in real quickly is that against pick and roll ball handlers he held opponents to five for 24 from the field and he also defended off the dribble jump shots opponents shot seven for 42 so like he can I I'd say he could defend one through five in a pinch like I think he's I think he has that defensive versatility and like being able to switch ball screens and things like that is just another aspect of his game but I think I think that's what ties him all in nicely is like there's a there's a lot there's a lot to improve on still but the base the floor that he has currently is is really promising based on where his development is at yeah I think that's a good framing like he he's I think he's gonna be definitely a really really solid to great defensive player um but like for me to take someone number one in this draft like i feel like i need a little more offensive upside that's kind of more apparent right now at the college uh level uh, I, I feel bad for saying that because like he's also he's also scoring like how many points per game he's got 17.1 points per game okay that's, so that's not uh, i don't know how college wise how is that like that's number. that's pretty that's pretty solid i mean another guy we'll look at johnny davis i think is at like 19 and keegan murray's okay. at 23.6 like it's a that's a pretty that's a pretty solid number especially yeah. given auburn's offense like yeah. auburn auburn auburn's a talented team they have a lot of other scores so yeah yeah but, um so ceiling wise like what do you like ideally like what is his best outcome for you to justify why you're taking him like a number one overall or even if that's I, not the case, because you're you're talking about like his floor. So like, what what is your justification for taking him number one? I think at the NBA level, if he's paired with the right team, I think like Detroit. I think Detroit would work out well, especially because they have some. They had of Isaiah Stewart from last year, who's not a floor spacer. I think Jabari Smith gives him another like layer offensively to be able to run that pick and roll with Cade. I think he. I think uh, like a fifteen. 15 and 10 guy and 40% from three on like five attempts. Like that, that's like, that's what you're looking for in a guy. And I think like, and that number one pick, number one pick, that's, that's a, that's a solid, like that's going to raise the floor of the, of a team he's getting drafted to. If he's a volume shooter and he's a big, he's a big man, he can pick and pop. He's, he's creating other space for, for another one of your star players. That's something to take into account. He's, He's he's opening up opportunities for other players of being being the player he is like on like as a big man. Yeah, fit wise, I I agree with the Detroit one, but like, I don't know. For me, what you're what you're telling me is like 15, 15 and ten, like whatever, right? But that's not like that's not like eye popping enough for me to like take him number one. You know, I rather you you think Chet's gonna at some point will be better than a 17, 15, 17 and ten score. Wait, 15, 15 to seventeen points, like. 10 yeah like like well i mean you're saying like chat would be a better player than i never said chat point. i never said chat okay well I'm about, okay this is gonna be Barcaro, i think about the other like, guy yeah i'm the, thinking about the other, other guy, guy. Like, well yeah. we'll get to that later i'm just yeah. saying in comparison to other guys like i it's not like i don't i don't think he has i don't think he has cade if even if, if he's picked number one in comparison to previous years like a cade cunningham lamello lamello wasn't number one or Doncic, he wasn't number one either but like top five pick like I don't think it's superstar potential, 
But I think that like that opens up a lot for other players that wherever he gets drafted to it, it raises the floor of that team. I see. Which okay. I, it's 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 first it's first pick overall impact, not as him as a player, but like a team wide impact. That's, I see. That's my so take you, on you're, it. You're okay. I, I I get what you're saying now. Okay. Um. So yeah, we can segue into maybe you know a, a better player. A, be- a better <laughs> player. We're gonna. <laughs> well, that's that's hard. Says number two on my board, but I the, we'll go to Paulo Brancaro, the yes. forward from Duke. This is my number one right here. This is Matt's number one. Six ten, two fifty, out of Duke. Um, averaging 17 points, 7.8 rebounds, 3.1 assists, shooting splits 47% from the field, 30.6% from three, and 73% from the line. Awesome. Well, not not fully not, awesome. It doesn't set, the well, give, give, awesome. give your two cents on it first. I want to I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So the reason why I have Paulo above Jabari and Shaq is I just think of him more as like a like I can envision him being a number one like primary scoring option because I think he has, because what you're looking for in a number one is you want them to ideally have some sort of like physical um, advantage over most NBA players that would be guarding them. Um, and Paulo has that he's six, eight, two fifty. But on the other hand, he also has like the handle um, of a guard. Like he's a, he's a very comfortable handle. He has like the touch from the mid range. He has all that. Um, he can finish through contact, so I just think him as a really reliable scorer. Like, I think he's definitely gonna be the best scorer because I know you know how early we we're talking about the rigidness of Jabari Smith's game. In my opinion, Paulo, I don't think Paulo like Paulo is a very fluid scorer. Like he could like adjust midair, like on his drives, he'll like change he'll like change directions. Like he has all like the little the little stuff like that that are just kind of like instinctual that I I really like. So which is why I think he's gonna be the best scorer in this draft. Um, which is why I'll kind of like slide him towards number one because you know game's about a bucket, you know. The game is about a bucket. I'm curious. So on synergy, they break down, they break down the possessions into offensive categories, and I want you out of these three to guess which one Boncaro registered the most possessions at. These these are the top three, but I wanted you to guess which one: isolation, spot up, and post up. Like which one's the best? Which one did he average the most possessions, or which one did he record the most possessions at this season? Isolation, post ups, pick and roll ball handler. No, no, no. Isolation, spot up, post up. Oh, isolation, spot up, post up. Most possessions. Hmm. I would say it's a pretty marginal difference, but I'm just curious what you'd say. Oh, I, I think it's definitely isolation, post up, or one and two, right? Isolation's one. Okay, isolation's one. Because isolation post up, I kind of think like the kind of the same. That thing-ish. yeah, they kind. I don't. I don't know how synergy classifies that, but isolation. He had 118 possessions. Spot mm-hmm. up. He did 115, and post up. He was 94 possessions. Okay, that that's a pretty for, even spread. Yeah, that accounted for about 45 percent of his total yeah. possessions. Okay, so what, what's your point for that though? My point for that, well, I don't think I. I mean, again, like you said, I don't know how they classify between a post up, like if it's a one on one post up on strong side. Like I don't know how they classify the possessions, but I don't think at the next level, teams are going to be running an isolation call for pa- Paulo. Like I think I, they will. You Why think else are you taking run- him this early if you're not going to like throw him the ball, let him go to work? That's the guy. You're that's the type of guy you're taking. I, I don't know that well I again I also like I like his handle I think he's not like he's a solid like he can put the ball on the ground and like be like solid like that but I don't know that he'd be like an like a volume ice ISO score I think he can I you definitely think he think, can yeah I think that's the difference see wait side kind of a side note I could this is why I like potting with you you know we don't have the same opinions like because like me and Yash when we pot together it's like an echo chamber because we think about basketball the same way me and you are different so no, like, I'm going I, back and forth. You never usually get this on podcasts. Podcasts are always like echo chambers. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going back and forth. Yeah, we're going, we're going back I, and forth right now. This I is like, what happens, this is like real life. This is what happens I, in real life. I think, I no, I think he, like, he, he was like a solid, he was a solid isolation scorer. What, what is it? 64th percentile. It's not, it's not yeah. bad. I just don't think, like, I don't think, also, I'm not sure his shot's good enough at the oh, I think it's good. Will, it's definitely good enough. It, he shot opinion. 30% from three. Yeah, but if you look at his his, his shooting from the, the mid-range, like, how can you look at that and say he's not a good shooter? Like, the type I, of shots I he's think, making. No, I like, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Like, I think it was, it was pretty solid. What did he shoot? Jump shots. I'm I mean, really just throwing, throwing all these 30% stats not, 30% is not, like, very not ideal from three. What's no. his volume, though, by the way? 
3.3 attempts. Okay, so that's, three. I don't apologize. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, if, is that good volume or is that like low? That's pretty. That's pretty average. poor. You'd probably want it to be above four. Really? Okay. I mean, Chet Chet's actually at three point three as well, just for reference. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also probably not doing too much spotting up in general, though. That's also part of it. He's he's probably having the ball in his hands a lot more. Um. And who who are the Duke point guards? Uh, Trevor Keels okay. and um. What's his face? Wendell Moore or Wendell Moore's a wing, fucked. I thought. No, no, he's not. Or, or yeah, he is. Um, God, I'm space. Uh, Jeremy Roach. Oh, I Jeremy think. Roach. Yeah, 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 I know who that is. Are they really? Yeah. Are they good like advantage creators? Because I don't, I don't know. I know the names. But I don't know their games well enough. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna comment. I don't really know them as well. I know a lot of. I mean, I watched the UNC, the last UNC game, and I watched the Virginia Tech game. I mean, I don't think they, they do run a lot through Boncaro. Like, I think, yeah, he, he can generate a lot of offense like that. But I just don't know. In the volume, in the role that they use him at Duke, like, is that gonna, how's that gonna translate to the NBA? I, th- well, he's probably not gonna get the same level of like, um, isolation, isolation touches, but I think down the line, you wanna develop him into a go to score, which is why you would take him number one, because I think he has already the, the instincts, he has the fluidity, he has the athleticism and the, and the physical tools to be that number one, like, go get a bucket type guy. And that's the guy you're, you want to take at number one, in my opinion, because, you know, game's all about a bucket. Game's, game is all about a bucket. I, I, I agree. Like, I, I want to clarify something as well. Like, the difference between Jabari and Boncaro is not huge. Like, I like I, I personally like Jabari more, but I'm not saying, like, he's miles better than Boncaro because okay, yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of things Boncaro does better. I think yeah. also Boncaro defensively is phenomenal. I think he's – like Jabari, I think he's kind of, like, one through five. Like I don't think Bank Bank, Bank is good defensively. He can but move. Also, I think he moves part of it also space. might be offensive load. Like, just yeah, with the offensive load, with a heavy offensive load, you don't put as much effort on defense. Um, he was like, 90th percentile defending isolation possessions. Yeah, but like, are people really isoing against Paulo Bancaro? Like, there were there were more instances than you think. I remember one clip I was watching of uh, Caleb Love on UNC. They isoed him, and he, he moves he moves well. Like, yeah, I, I could imagine like when player, I could but... imagine when locked in Paulo's good. It's just a matter of like buy in, and I and like uh, I was watching some some videos on him, and like people were talking about how his closeouts uh, weren't great. And closeouts are are one of the most like high. Like it, it, when you're tired and you have to do a closeout, it is, it is terrible. Like it is not, it is not fun. No. Like you have to be really, really mentally locked in to get a good closeout. If you're yeah. not, then you're you're just you're just gonna bl- get blown by all the time. It's one of the it's one of the easiest things on defense to mess up, in my opinion. Yeah, um, but I I there's there's a there's a back and forth to be had between Boncaro and Jabari and I mean I and Chet for that matter I mean that's kind of the whole point of these top threes that they're a little interchangeable but I I I think Boncaro projects well I don't know how he would fit with a team like uh Orlando if he goes yeah they kind of need a they kind of need a guy like and they kind of need a score like that yeah, because Cole Anthony, they're just bro, they're just living right now on Cole Anthony pull-ups. Like that's kind of like what their offense is. Like Franz Wagner, you know, occasionally will give you some stuff like attack, close out, drive middle, maybe get a little floater stuff, like or like Wendell Carter, maybe he'll I'm just interested uh, how he would fit in the front court. I mean, we were mentioning. Yeah, they do they do have a loaded just, I mean, positionally they are loaded up at like they got one Wagner, five. Wendell <laughs> they Carter, Okiki, Isaac. Wagner, Isaac, went, uh, we said Carter, but then they have Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba's probably not going to be on the Mo team Bamba. this year. That's right. Um, I really like Mo Bamba. Mo Wagner, I think, is a good backup center, too. No, well, like Franz, they, but yes. No, or is Mo on that? Mo's yeah, on Mo the, Wagner's Mo's on, on that team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brothers, right, that's right. The I, Wagner brothers are on that team. The, the, the German connection on the Magic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Orlando's such a weird team. They're, just, they're stacked at every position. Like They have intriguing guys, but like there's no one in my mind that I think of, like that's going to be their guy in the future. You know? so I, they, I agree. I wouldn't, like, when I, I'm drafting, for, if I'm Orlando, I'm drafting, I wouldn't really worry about that. And I actually think Paulo would actually be a pretty good fit because they have a pretty good um, defensive... Like Right now, their go-to score is Terrence Ross. Like When, when, the, when the game comes down to it, they're kind of like giving it to Terrence Ross when he's healthy, of course, and playing. Right. Um, but what do you, they kind of need think... that go-to score. What would you think about Boncaro to Indiana? Um, I would be, I'd be surprised if he made it to five, but I'm kind of thinking about that. Like, yeah, Indiana, Indiana Duarte would definitely, if, yeah, if we're not considering like draft order, 
So yeah, right. it'll be Duarte Halliburton. Um, Halliburton. I don't know Brogdon. if TJ Warren's going to be on the team still. We'll see. I guess that, that. He, that's an interesting Indiana also as a side note. I mean, that would Boncaro would add size to that, but it's interesting to have Halliburton, Brogdon, and Duarte all on the floor because they're all under. I mean, Halliburton's like six, like six five. five. They're all like around, like they're six, all four. around six four, six five. Yeah. Which I think, I think that could work. I think Malcolm Brogdon could guard up to the three. But like the, I don't think Paulo would be, I don't know if he would, Rick Carlisle would start him on that team too. Cause like, you know, rookie Rick Carlisle. Um, yeah, I, I and also something to think about is that they just got rid of Sabonis trying to free up space for Turner, and then you add another big guy like that down in like. Well, kind of was like a four. four. I, he's definitely not a five, so I wouldn't worry. Well, they were trying to play that. Sabonis next to Turner. That, that's kind of what the dilemma. But Boncaro is a four. Like Sabonis should be a five. Like ideally, like they both Sabonis and Turner should be playing a five. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so Boncaro, yeah. uh, but then they have TJ. They have TJ Warren. Obviously, you know Paolo Boncaro is probably going to be a better player than TJ Warren. I would hope. <laughs> Actually, no. Bubble TJ Warren. Warren. Bubble TJ Warren. Warren, the bubble goat. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Dropping fifty in the bubble. <laughs> Shout out Mateen, who still hasn't paid up the bet on that on the TJ Warren. I forget what it was, but I don't think he. It was something really dumb with like, I think. Warren, he, he bet he wouldn't get like points. 50 or yeah, yeah you like know, averaging a right. certain amount of points in the playoffs and then they just got rocked by the heat first round and Mateen did not pay the hundreds of dollars <laughs> <laughs> not not really shocking given Mateen's track record yeah. but we'll save that for anyways anyways yeah. okay on to the third prospect arguably the first I don't know it all it, it's all interchangeable as as previously mentioned Chet Holmgren forward from Gonzaga Seven foot, and what do you think his weight clocks in at? Because this is kind of the contentious. Definitely under um, 200, right? Under 200, his official weight is listed as 195. Okay. 195 at seven foot. And you can definitely see that looking at Chet, who looks like a pile of sticks. Um, <laughs> offensive stats, he 14.2 points, uh, almost 10 boards, and just under two assists. Shooting 61% from the field, 41% from three, and 75 from the line. And the important and another a big facet of his game to include in the stats is he's averaging seven point two blocks per one hundred possessions, Jesus. which is an absolute absurd rate for college for for NBA. Yeah, Santa Clara got to get better, man. Like, what is going on? They're feeding <laughs> him. They're feeding him out there. Santa, that it wasn't all Santa Clara. It's a lot of pepper. Ah, probably all but, Santa you know, Clara. Okay, but um. I give give me your give me your uh, your take on yeah. So my my kind of theory with home uh, chat is like I think of him as a a player that could very much contribute to winning. Like, um, and we I talked about this with you before the podcast. My kind of my prediction in terms of narrative for this draft, it's gonna be like Chet versus Paulo. Like Paulo, I think is gonna be like if you roll the ball, they playing one on one. I think Paulo will win. But in terms of contributing to a winning team, I think Chet's game scales well um, against anyone. Because I think um, offensively, he's like a just a very you know. I think I, I think everyone kind of knows this. Like the the unicorn label, like he does a little bit of um, a little bit of everything. Like he can, I think he has pretty good vision. He's an unselfish passer. He can space the floor. Um, he can do things like that. Just like a really good connective piece. I don't really see like the primary options like offensive upside even like as a number two guy like i don't really know unless he develops his scoring because i i just don't see where he's gonna get reliable scoring from like probably from the post but like he's gonna have to like kind of it's kind of he's gonna have to live how christoph porzingis is living with post-ups like a lot of like turnaround fadeaway just i'm like the i'm taller than you shot you know turn around just shoot in your face like that's what he's gonna right. have to live on i don't really think that's good number two offense um yeah, that's I how, think that's how I see yeah. him on that. And then defensively, yeah, I think he's a very, obviously a very good defender. Like really good instincts, like um, blocking blocking shots. Like and he people see me skinny. Oh, he's just gonna get posted up. But he's still like, if you're posting up, he's still like seven foot, seven feet tall with crazy long arms. It's not like you're gonna be able to shoot over him. Still, it's still gonna be tough. Like he could get buried a little bit, but I think he actually does a pretty good job of not getting buried and like walling up. So I, I defensively, I have no, I have no worries. I have no worries for him as a player. I think you're kind of, you're going to get what you get and he's going to get better in terms of like the in-between parts. Like he's going to get better, like with his, with his handle, like, cause you know, when you're dribbling at seven feet tall, attacking a close that, like that's, that's really difficult. Like, um, right. So I think he'll get a little better at that. 
Um, maybe his passing is going to get a little a little sharper. I don't know exactly where that's going to come from, um, but he's going to improve like marginally. So I think you're going to get you're going to get what you get. But I like his approach to the game, his mentality, um, and then just contributing to winning. That's how I kind of see him. I think that's all a fair assessment. Um, I conversely, I am more concerned about his current frame. I don't think. I agree that like it hasn't been an issue and you watch his film is that when he, I mean it's seven foot is you're right seven feet is seven feet and like that that definitely alters shots when opponents go up against him and that's something to watch but like can you imagine someone as physical as like a like imagine like DeMarcus Cousins against Chet Holmgren he might just kill him he might it might just like end up with Chet like on the floor like unconscious like there's there there is a definitely a jump from the college level that 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 for that matter the WCC there's a jump from the college to the NBA in terms of physicality you're going against grown men and he's 195 pounds at seven feet tall I think that is slightly concerning and and it, NBA is just more physical in general I mean when we we've seen guys kind of deal with injuries like tall skinny guys I mean that kind of goes back to Mo Bamba he dealt with a lot of injuries at the beginning of his career like kind of just having issues being like a tall, lanky, like specimen. Like, I think that's something to take into account. I also think having been around WCC basketball for, um, for the majority of the majority of this school year or this year in general, I can tell you that he benefited a lot. We talked about this. He benefited a lot from the looks he was getting because of who he's playing against. They had um, their point guard was Andrew Nebhard, who's a junior or sorry, who's a senior. And what most WCC teams would do, including Santa Clara is they'd, they'd um, block or they, or they'd call it cup. They'd cup him off the ball screen. They'd send the big and he, instead of being in a drop, he'd come up and cup the, the, like a um, hedge? the ball handler. Is that what you're talking about? What? Like a hedge? Is, is that what you're like, talking about? Almost like a hedge, but he'd come up and like double. Bi- him you're talking about the big guard in the pick and roll, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, keep they going, call, I don't know. We, Wait, we talk about it, what you're talking about, the cupping thing. We talk, We called it a cup, is that instead of the big going into a drop on a pick and roll, he'd come up and he'd just kind of slide with the point guard one or two steps so he couldn't get downhill. Yeah. And then and then once the point guard picked up his dribble, the big turned and went and like recovered to his guy. So the oh, so idea that's was a, that it's a high the, hedge. Okay, it's just it's a high, hedge. yeah, high okay. hedge. They, they call it a cup, but they, they, there are a lot of a lot of teams would cup them, and um, the that the a lot of teams would cup Nebhard, and that would generate a lot of open looks for Chet. Like I I turned down I turned on a lot of his um his pick and all, uh pick and roll like possessions and when he was the roll man and it was just like Nebhard would pick up the ball and chuck it back out to him and he's got a wide open three. And I don't know like a that, that kind of, yeah, pick and pop. Okay, but it's just because like they're coming the double every possession they had to double him, otherwise never hard to get downhill and score it. So it's generate like there were a lot of beautiful open looks, like could not get any better that he was hitting as he should. Like I'm not knocking him for hitting him. I just said, is is there going to be a sort of offense that's sustainable for him in the NBA that's going to allow him to score as prolifically as he is even without those open looks and that's kind of that's kind of what you mentioned is that there's gonna there's gonna be an adjustment offensively but i just think that it's there he's definitely benefited from playing the w i mean playing like a pacific or pepperdine i mean these are two like not the greatest teams in division one i also i also would note that i when i was looking at his game logs some of his worst shooting performances were coming against the best teams they faced and teams that were were prepared personnel wise for him. They, the games against what did I write down? Texas, Texas Tech, and St. Mary's and Alabama. I think they played a few of those teams. I mean, Texas, Texas Tech, and Bama are all out of conference, of course. But those were some of his worst shooting performances. And uh, I mean, those with with good big men. I mean, Alabama's got Charles Bediaco and Texas, and they have great players. So I think that's something to note is that. I don't know how he's going to hold up again. Uh, the level of competition concerns me. That was my roundabout way of saying that in terms of what he's faced so far. Yeah, I, I could see that. But like schematically, like you're talking, let's just use the example you're talking about, like the high hedge and then he gets like a pick and pop or maybe like gets a short roll. Like teams in the NBA high hedge too. And if you think about it, like the, the thought of like, you don't want to get your guard 
get the opposing guards like you don't want to get Andrew Nebhard getting downhill. The NBA guards are way probably way better than Andrew Nebhard, right? Right. So teams teams are like teams still high hedge in the NBA, especially if you look at it like this year. Like teams still teams are still going to do that, which are going to still open up. He's going to get the same type of looks. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's that's not ju- fair. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. Like, I there's but there's better. I mean, there's I think there's just a more aware like the the space shrinks quickly in the nba as compared to the yeah, I, I agree compared to college like i just think i like these looks i wish i could i wish like we could have like a well, screen you, share you also moment. Have like to... the looks he's getting are just like like no one within miles of him like i i don't know i mean this partly was santa clara as well and wcc as a whole but like it's just like he's getting beautiful looks and he and he hit a lot of them to his credit but i just think like it's he's gonna have to be able to do more than just be like you know, the floor is not going to be so wide open. He also benefited a lot. I think a lot of his playmaking and like the floor opened up. A- another thing is when they dr- double drew Timmy and Timmy, they do a high, low kind of like possession like that. Like there, I think there was just a lot of production from him this season that was manufactured from the competition he was playing and who he's playing with. And does, and there's going to be some level of that in the NBA as well. I understand that. I just don't know. Is that going to, tr- like like you were saying, is that going to translate to number first overall production or like output? Like, is, is he going to be able to make that step to justify being the first overall pick? Yes. <laughs> well, there you have it. And that's wraps on the, on the, on the podcast. Thank you. No. Yeah. I, no, I have, I definitely have faith with um, chat to like, uh, when he gets an advantage, like off like a pick and pop, for example, we'll, we'll just use his pick and pop example. He gets it off the, the pop, you know, he might not have the cleanest look. I have faith in him to like put the ball on the floor a little bit, like attack a closeout against probably a slower big, maybe depending on what position he's playing to get, to get like break paint and make a kick. Like I, I have faith in him to do, I have a faith in him to like, make winning plays on the court. I don't think he's going to be completely just like shut out just because like, you know, the game is like players are more athletic. They're just smarter at, at the NBA level. Like I, I still have faith in him to like contribute to winning. I, I don't think what he's doing right now in the WCC is like unsustainable, you know, like he's going to get these type of same opportunities. Like teams are going to, depending on where he plays um, teams, like, you know, they might send a double at, Let's say let's. I'm trying to think. Let, let, let's pick a hypothetical team he's on. Maybe like let's say he's on the the Rockets because I I like him on the Rockets like as a double big next to Christian Wood. Even though for a four or five, it's pretty pretty light. Um, maybe a combined like four hundred pounds there, which is <laughs> concerning. Maybe a little more, but you know. Um, yeah. But like I I like him in Houston because like you know he can he can pass the ball a little bit. He, I think he's he's gonna have to play the four um he's he's just too light to play the five like as you said which i i agree um what was, what was like where was i going with this i don't um, know i was just i was just thinking about how how would you feel him in okc next to pokushevsky the front you said 400 pounds was generous that'd be like 250 tops <laughs> him and pokushevsky the the pile of sticks front court with with jeremiah earl robinson like that's just robinson a deadly earl trio. robinson earl jre i knew that i knew that who's having a great season by the way watching i watched a little bit of his pick and roll defense he's very versatile talk about a versatile defender love jre uh, that's an aside um, um but i i just basically my point is i have faith in chat to keep making these type of um plays i don't think like the athleticism and, and like feel increase at the nba level is going to impact the way he plays i think he's gonna what he's doing now he's definitely gonna be able to do at the the next level like i have really no worries about that and even I though think- you know you know like teams might be a little undersized um, to guard him, but like at the NBA level, like our team's really going to play, unless you're playing like the Cavs, like are they going to play two seven footers like next to each other, you know? Like he might not be able to no, get that's... like some of the post up stuff he gets. Um, that might kind of go away, but like I, like even at Gonzaga, like that's not really even like a focus for him. A lot of it is just like being a connector, like moving the ball, extending advantages, hitting pick and pops, um, attacking in transition. We didn't talk about his transition game. I think that's that's where he's the best. He's really no, good. No, I agree. Transition. No, trans- yeah. transition, He that was his best. He was 95th percentile all of college basketball. Almost yeah. 
points per possession. Like that's yeah, he, that's argument that's arguably his best offensive category. Yeah, he li- he likes the ball in the open floor. He likes doing that, you know, the classic, you know, big man the, the little the, the little right to left. Yeah. The behind the back the wrap around behind the back pass. I'm not behind the back pass, like the dribble. Like some yeah, guy yeah. reaches in because the, they think the guy's dribbling. Oh, behind the back. Yeah, no, I, I agree. No, he's definitely like if he gets that was definitely evident this year. He puts the ball on the floor. He's going to he can run it and, and get a transition almost like Giannis strides like from half court. It's like one, two, three and then just dunk. It's crazy. But L- let me let me um, ask you, how did he do against when you guys play? I'm assuming you played him twice, right? In conference play. We did. We played him. We played him twice. How, um, how did he do those two games? Like, what did you take away from those games? Uh, I was going to say, I mean, I was actually, try- I was trying to recall that. I mean, the Gonzaga game was, I was doing film for one of the halves, but I was watching the first half. Um, I think a lot of the, a lot of what Gonzaga attacked when they played us was inside. I think Timmy was, uh, especially productive against us. No, he definitely was. Um, he was definitely, definitely defensive presence. I mean, his arms are just like, like, I don't know what his wingspan is. I feel like that would have been a relevant stat I could have included on here but I just think defensively he definitely altered the game like anything around the basket was so difficult for us that's that's also something to consider I was going to say defensively is that even if guys even if guards get their body into him like he can kind of like absorb it and his arms are so long he's like it's just overreaching like even if a guy moves him that much his arms are still there and like can alter a shot I guess that and that's like a I guess that's a a, a factor of his defense that I kind of undervalued, but definitely something to consider. In, in the game against us, I, it was mostly they mostly went through uh, through Timmy and uh, Rasir Bolton and Nemhard, but uh, he was still effective and and he hit, he hit the shots he needed to hit. And he and that was that was the main thing, and and I mean, that's all you can really ask of him. I mean, I'm knocking him for things that I'm projecting at the NBA level, and that's that's not entirely fair of me. I just think it's a concern as an NBA team if you're looking at him and you think you want him to be like first overall output and offensive potential and then that's like that's something you have to take into account but yeah I mean kind of just to sum it all up I think of him as a like a like a good role-playing offensive player I don't I don't see where the star upside is there for him I think defensively he's gonna be a really good star like his I like his uh, instincts. I don't think he, he's also just like, for me, he's just not afraid of like the moment. I know it's very cliche, but like the, when I would think of Chet, there was a time in high school, I remember watching, uh, it was a video. It was him. It was his team with like Jalen Suggs. So he was a junior at this time. They were playing uh, Murray, Murray Elite. This, I think this is the team from like Jamal Murray's like AAU team from Canada. And they had yeah. Jonathan Kaminga on their team. And Jonathan Kaminga, right? He's posting up Jalen Suggs. He like I think Jalen Suggs like hurts his hand. He gets around Suggs and then just dunks on Chet and Chet falls on the ground and like everyone's like oh my god, like like it was bad. Like Chet was like crumpled up on the floor like after like like right. But then he immediately got up like next play and then like later on he got he kind of got a, a really pretty good dunk um, on Kaminga. Like you know like he doesn't back down from everyone anyone you know. And no, know, definitely. Like, it's such a cliche thing to say, but I think. That kind of goes into my point about him contributing to to winning. Like I think, and especially look at him now. Like you're talking about, he's when Santa Clara played Gonzaga, he took a lot smaller of a role. And I and I think that that's that's a good thing in terms of he's willing to you know take a step down because a lot of these teams, you look at the the top of like the the Detroit, the uh, Houston team, like they have their primary like offensive guys already. You know, or at least who they're gonna bank on, like Caden, Jalen Green, which I, I, I really like both of them. Um, so no, that's like, definitely, yeah. No, I agree. That's definitely. Like he's, I think he's gonna move. He's gonna be able to move a team that's in a more rebuilding phase to like. They're gonna, they're whoever whoever gets them. I think is gonna take a step up, kind of like how the Cavs got better when they got Mobley this year. That's I, what I see. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's gonna make that sort of impact immediately. I, again, I'm not. I don't want to discount him and say he's going to be a bust and just like dust your hands and call it a day. But like, I don't know if he's going to make that immediate of an impact. But I think I the if things if he continues to develop physically and as a as a player and learns how to adapt to what the NBA is going to bring at him, I think there's there there's a lot to be encouraged about for sure. I agree with that. So, so. your chef for you is your number three hundred percent, right? 
Yeah, number okay. three. Would you even yeah. slide him lower? Like, because I know you're, sounds like you're pretty low on him. Also, I, you know, I it might be a little him, like put him lower. might be a little biased. It's like you know, you see him play like up close and personal against like people you know. You're like, this guy's not that good. You know, there might be some of that <laughs> in there too, in my opinion. No, no, no. I no, I and I wouldn't. And honestly, I wouldn't put him lower than three. I do like our next guy. We're gonna talk about um, Keegan Murray, but yeah, right, I wouldn't that. put him. I wouldn't put him any lower than that. Sorry, you want to do Keegan Murray? You want to do Keegan yes. Murray or Johnny Davis? Because kind of we kind of only have time for one more. I'm gonna be honest. I think we should do Keegan Murray. I really I like, I like Johnny Murray. Davis. Though. I do God, like Johnny it. Davis. Ah, okay, let's try to see if we can do both. I mean, let's, go, let's go. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Okay, I'll do quick. Keegan Murray, uh, forward from Iowa, 6'8", 215. Average 23.6 points per game this season. That's, uh, I mean, I think the leader in D1 was like 25.4. So he's definitely, and that was also up from 7.2 his freshman season. So he's made a huge leap offensively. Uh, 8.6 rebounds, uh, one and a half assists per game. Shooting splits 55% from the field, 40% from three on almost five attempts, 74 from the line, uh, averaging three and a half blocks per 100, which sounds less impressive compared to Chet's 7.2, but Chet is a statistical anomaly, so 3.5 is good. Um, Keegan Murray was the 99th percentile points per possession score in all of college basketball. He was, he was that guy all season and he's so Iowa um they didn't win the big 10 but he uh he was a big part of their offense I I think Keegan Murray projects well into the NBA um I he's six he's six eight so he's probably gonna be more like a four teetering towards a three but then there's also he's thickly enough built and like his he's like enough of a physical presence that a lot of scouts and I agree could see him as a small ball five. I think he has that potential. He he moves really well in space, kind of similar to Ben Carroll. Like you put him on the perimeter versus versus guard. I think he I think he's like he's capable of sticking with them and like he's not gonna get taken advantage of, especially as a small ball five. Kind of like a Xavier um, Tillman in a way. That that's a great comp. That thank you. Great I, comp. I know, thank you. Thank he's you. a better he's a he's a better shooting Xavier Tillman. But yeah, wow, that was spot on because six eight kind of small ball, yeah. You know, Xavier Tillman. Miss, Xavier Tillman was also big. Is that, fan, is that uh, the Michigan player State. that Magic Johnson was gassing up before the draft because he went to Michigan State? Yes, it was. Yeah, he, he went to <laughs> Michigan State. <laughs> he, he's still pretty good, isn't he? he? I think he's Memphis. He might be like. I don't know if he's league. how much he's playing because they're like. Yeah, they're, they're kind of well. stacked in that front court. But anyway, but no, Keegan Murray. I think a lot to offer. Um, 96 percentile on post-ups, including passes. He generates a lot of offense from that. Um, 81, 81st percentile on jump shots. How is he as a roller? Pick and roll, roll man. Uh, 70th percentile. Okay. Do, so do you know, like, one. his game in terms of, like, is he, like, an above-the-rim finisher? Is he more, like, a short-roll guy? Like He's how... more like a short, short-roll guy. Okay. I mean, I see, I see him as being, like, a – he, he's pretty athletic. He's also great in transition. Transition was his most proficient category. He had, or no, it wasn't. It wasn't his most proficient, but it was he 96 percentile, almost 1.5 points per possession. And that was what, that was accounted for 20%, 20% of his total possessions. So mm-hmm. I just think, I think between his defensive versatility and he has a great jump shot, I don't, he's not going to be like a, he's not going to be an off the dribble guy. I don't think that's like, he, he has a little potential for that, but in the post, he's really versatile and he's like, he's an above average passer for a post player and he can face up and hit the shots. He just does a little bit of everything. And I think also what he brings defensively, I just, I, he's, he's a well-rounded player. Yeah. That's, when I, I mean, when I was watching some of his stuff, he, that's definitely the, um, the impression I got was that he's a very, very all around player. Like he'll, you know, he'll throw in like a, some passing stuff. Um, I like his shot. For me, his set point is a little low. Um, I, it might be just like, you know, the camera angle, something like that. But like, when, at first glance to me, it seems a little low. So like maybe contested shooting might be an issue for him uh, down the line. But yeah, I like his post-up stuff. Like he likes to, he likes to spin a lot. Likes to spin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he does. He does like he that, like baseline and spin. And yeah. Then, or he'll get or to like, the midline and he'll yeah, hook he shot. Just, he, he, yeah. I like how he, how what year is he, by the way? What year is he right now? He's a sophomore. Sophomore. Year. Oh, he's a sophomore. That dude's a sophomore. 
Yeah, I wonder. Actually, I should have included that, like how old these guys are. Dude, it's kind of it's kind of crazy thing because we're right now we're both college freshmen. That guy is like <laughs> yeah, one year older than he's six eight. Like, well, absorbing okay, so contact he, left and right. He's like twenty. Geez. He is twenty one. He's twenty one. Oh shoot! What the heck? He's in his second year at Iowa, but he is twenty one years old. I'm not he sure. I don't. I don't know. I don't know his background uh, on how that worked out. He did go old. to a sports academy for high school, so maybe. He got held back or he reclassified something like that. Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. But um but I I mean and the year over again year over year improvement. I mean, last year he shot below thirty from three and now he's now he's yeah. a forty percent shooter on wow, like okay. good volume. So I just like there's been so much development just between now and last year. I just think I think there's a lot to like and he fits with any team. I'm I'm praying because he's kind of like we inc- I included him in the top five because I th- I think he's a top. Oh, are five you, t- are you about to talk about Portland here? I am about to talk. about <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, there's death taxes and Gavin O'Leary including the Portland Trailblazers in a podcast. There's only three guarantees in life. But if he can make it to Portland, this is exactly the guy we've been needing. We need an athletic wing who can defend, who can hit shots when we need him to hit shots. I think this is this Wait, is so the guy we. You're, you're telling for. me Caleb Swanigan didn't do it for you? No, Caleb Swanigan did not do it for me. Caleb Swanigan did not do it for me. It's actually so funny how he ended up on the like the Blazers, right? Drafted the Blazers, went to the Kings, and then back to the Blazers before his first yeah. contract was up. It's also so funny. You know, the last time, well, actually, maybe that was the last Gonzaga big man to come out. I was gonna say Zach Collins because that was the Blazers' other draft yeah. downfall was picking Zach Collins 10 instead of John Collins, who I said we should have picked. Although John I did Collins. say we should I said we should have either picked John Collins and Justin Patton. And one of those would have been or or TJ Leaf. I said TJ Leaf, Justin Patton, or um John Collins. And two out of the three of those would have gone. Uh, so you're like 33% from the field. I was <laughs> I definitely said don't pick Zach Collins. So I'm 50%. Yeah, I rather, that. I rather have Zach Collins than TJ Leaf and um, who was the other guy you said? Uh, Justin Patton. Yeah. Like, at least Zach Collins is on an NBA team right now. He's barely on an NBA team. No, he, bro, he's on a three-year deal right now. He's yeah, but he his... hasn't played. He, I think he hurt his he's foot. He's playing right now. I don't now. even know if he's – is he really? Yeah, he's playing right now. I, I was Last watching clips of was... some NBA – what was I looking – I was watching something. I was watching Zach Collins get bullied, though. Not going to lie. Yeah, um, well, but, okay. That, that, yeah, that anyways, anyways, anyways back to – Back to Keegan Murray. Back to Keegan Murray. Um, if he could make it to if he could make it to the Blazers, that'd be great. Honestly, he fits with he fits with any team. Any, yeah, team, would any want team. Any team wants a wants a four. Do you think he can slide down to the three? Do you think his ball skills are enough? I think I think he could. I think he could. I see his secondary. Like if you, I, like, I can see him like you pretend. know because like Nasir Little can kind of play the three next to like Anthony Simon, Dame Little because the Anthony Simon is Little are gonna have the ball the entire time. Like, yeah, you know, play God, play a little sh- bit through play a little bit through Nurkic too, like. As like a post hub, like Keegan Murray and this year little aren't gonna have to dribble too much. So no, definitely not. Like there, and I think they they do enough off ball. Like Keegan Murray's also great. Like like everything he does offensively, like it's very very yeah. proficient, very yeah, proficient. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he slides in. I think he slides in anywhere. Oh, I, watching some defensive stuff, they had him in drop a lot. Like what position does he play in Iowa? Is he like their five or is he their four? He he's more their he's more their four because they have okay. another they have another big man. I was also noticing that too when he defends ball screens they switch they switch all ball screens so he's not really like unless it's an isolation possession he's never really on a guard which will be interesting at the NBA level cuz obviously that's going to that's going to change you're not going to be switching every possession but I think but what I've seen I watched a lot of his isolation possessions when he does get like he's he's trailing a guy off a screen and then he has to defend him like I I was I was perfectly content with what he did and I think that's like that 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 won't be an issue at the next. My issue, I'm just like I'm. I'm not getting a grasp on like what is he gonna be in the NBA? Because like, is he just gonna be a straight up like role player? Like is that what he's gonna end up being at number four overall? I think he's gonna be a high level role player. Like what about like, Jaden I... Ivy? You know, I know, I know, like Jaden Ivy like has like the explosiveness, like the dynamicism to like. Jaden Ivy definitely has like Ivy and. I mean Johnny Davis. Even John, Johnny saying, Davis, yeah, I was going to say Johnny. No, Davis. I'm not saying either of them are going to be superstars, but they have more superstar potential than than uh, Keegan Murray. Yeah, they have I'd be like comfortable the, saying that. Yeah, they have like the offensive, like I don't, I don't, I don't know the how do I describe it? Like, like they get downhill, but Keegan Murray gets a little bit gets downhill a little bit. It's just a lot more like post up stuff. 
yeah yeah well i and he's really and he's great in transition too like i don't i don't honestly i would i think based on like what i've seen i'd rather have ivy and davis over keegan murray you think yeah i'm trying to think of like a good comp for keegan murray like i almost think like a like a less rangy like og ananubi or something like that Mm, okay that would be what i was gonna say i mean he's as locked down of a defender on the perimeter uh he's not he's not he's not there yet he's like he's just a he's a tick below but i think he can be a like tick his, below og and Obi's pretty good <laughs> no it is pretty good and i think i think he's i think i'm trying to think of another i'm looking at teams like i don't know right, like, let's, uh, let's do johnny davis because we're running out of yeah time i don't know fair enough fair enough all right on johnny davis the fifth prospect fifth prospect on his list he's he's like a he's a consensus he's strongly in the in the top 10 i don't know if he'll end up being top five when it's all Said and done. Uh, six five one ninety six out of Wa- uh, Washington, Wisconsin. Um, average seventeen points or not, sorry, nineteen point seven points up from seven points his previous season. So he had a similar offensive output jump that um, Keegan Murray had. Eight point two rebounds, which is very high for a guard, and two point two assists. Shooting splits forty three percent from the floor, thirty one point seven from three on three point six attempts, and seventy eight percent from the line. Um, the majority of his possessions, almost, almost 30% is what I'm seeing here, uh, are pick and roll ball handler, which is to be expected, especially in, in uh, Wisconsin's offense. He's very, very physical. I mean, you saw that when you were watching him, he gets downhill a lot. He's trying to, he's trying to take it to the cup. Um, I think, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to formulate like an opinion on him in terms of what I could see. I I believe I buy his shot. I don't like translating long term. I think it's it looks fine, and he and he hits like his mid range off of the pick and roll pretty consistently when he gets his defender in jail, and he can kind of like do a sidestep and then like a fatal a post fadeaway or like a elbow fadeaway. Like he hits that with a consistent at a consistent clip that I think he could eventually be a three like a proficient three point shooter. I just don't know. I just think like right now does he offer enough like like creation like for others off the ball like 2.2 assists 2.2 assists is like yeah 2.2 assists with the yeah yeah for the volume he's getting as a point guard that's a little concerning so Mm -hmm. yeah um based on what i've seen he you know he i i really like his mindset like his his aggressive like mentality um you know he just kind of has that knack for scoring you know Tap into you know some uh, ball don't stop theory. The game, what, 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 what's your uh, what's your phrase? The game's about a bucket. The game's about a bucket. Johnny Davis gives you a bucket. Um, no, but that... like all seriousness though, uh, I actually do really do like how aggressive he is, and I think he has like pretty good in between game in terms of like like you said, getting to those side steps, using his body, um, pushing off. It kind of reminds me of Devin Booker in a way, with how physical yeah. he is. Like I agree. I, that's actually that's another good comp, and I mean, I don't think he's the score Devin Booker is, and he's not as versatile. Yeah, Devin Booker but came I'd in see... more of like a pure shooter than like um like what he is now. Well, he's a pure shooter now, but like he's a lot. He has a lot more stuff he uses off ball, um, to like get open. Johnny Davis is more like more creating with the ball in his hands and like getting downhill. But I, I kind of like yeah. that, you know. I uh, I'm interested to see where his his game goes because it's one of those cases where he's thriving at the college level because of his physicality. Like how is that going to translate to the to right. the NBA level? And I, and personally for me, I think it's pretty, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that are like, Oh, he only going to like, not like you, you know, Oh, he's only going to yeah. do this against college level competition. Well, I, he's bigger I just, I just take into it. I think, I think the level of competition when considering prospects is very important because the jump, the jump from a guy like Johnny Davis, okay, the Big Ten's different, but if you take a uh, like a a mid major prospect like like Chet or like and he's playing against Chet WCC, is, he's, I know you misspoke, but no, I mi- I misspoke, not a mid major prospect, but I mean like he's playing in a conference where he's playing other mid majors like Santa Clara, St. Mary's, and like Pepperdine, and it's like he's playing Pepperdine. I mean Pepperdine. Hey, Kessler they not this year not this year they didn't and i can tell you that that's like that team has just fallen off a lot and like they're 
there are other instances of that that are not that are that exclude these five prospects we looked at. But I just think in general, I think level of competition and how that affects the guy's output and what you're seeing in the numbers is really important. I think consider. also part of it, you you kind of have to parse out like what is gonna like what is sustainable. You know, I think Chet's like I know we're talking about Chet again, but like this also kind of goes to Johnny Davis. Like, what I think both of them are doing right now in terms of like Chet's like ability to be a connector like moving the ball like doing like spacing the floor doing things like that that's i think that's very easily translatable to the nba level and i think it actually in chet's case i think it's even more apparent because he's being scaled down to a to like a, a smaller rule and i know like you're saying oh he's a smaller rule. why are you drafting him so high but you still want players that are gonna contribute to winning and i think as he develops he's gonna become more and more of like a key piece you can rely on on both ends but like back to johnny davis um I, I like his knack for scoring, like as I keep saying, and I think that that will definitely translate to the next level. It's just the, the matter of like, is he going to get a chance? Because I think when he first comes to the NBA, I have a feeling he's not going to be very efficient. Unless it'll be probably a pretty good anomaly if he he's like an efficient scorer at the next level. So you know, you know who you remind, you know who he reminds me of that mm-hmm. just came to mind, like an NBA comp, Colin Sexton. Really? Yeah. Think of it like kind of playing downhill. Yeah, get to yeah, the basket. I see that. And he's, he's not gonna, He's not nearly. That's a little disrespectful, Colin Sexton, because Colin Sexton's a way better shooter at this point. Yeah, and a, and a better defender. That was something I was gonna mention. I didn't know much about. I mean, his defensive ability. I turned on some of his film. I'm a little concerned with the way he defends the pick and roll. I don't have the exact numbers, but when he went up against Bryce uh, Gowans in who's for Nebraska and Jaden Ivy, who's another guy we kind of mentioned briefly, who's a top 10 prospect for Purdue. Um, they absolutely cooked him. I, I mean, I don't know what the exact numbers were, but I just watched a few of the possessions and he doesn't like, he doesn't die on the screen, but he gets caught up enough and he doesn't have the lateral quickness to like get back in front of the guy. And it usually results in him just kind of falling behind. And then you just trail the guy and the guy gets a layup and, that again, now there's a there's a there's a give and take with that is that if he has a like if he's playing next to an elite rim protector in the NBA, then he'll be covered up at some point. But like I just it was like for guys that he's gonna be competing against, like Jaden Ivey's gonna be an NBA level talent, like that was a concerning that was a concerning thing I saw. Like he gets caught chasing a lot. Yeah, like, I, I get that, but also guys. like you have to remember the offensive load he has. I think that's also a big part, like looking at these top prospects, because a lot of them are carrying like huge offensive burdens. So like their defense is like going to have to slip just like, you know, cause they're human, you know, like they can't like be godly on, you know, both ends at the college level. Um, so, but I think like, you know, he's a pretty good frame. He's six, five. not like people are going to like go down and like try to like post them up. You know, I, I think the dying on screens is like, is a good thing to know, but that that stuff like that can also just be coached up. Like I'm not, I'm generally not too worried um, about guys. Like like as long as he's trying, like I'm fine with it. Like if he's not trying at all and he just like dies on a screen, no. just stands thereafter. Like then then there might be an issue, like the buy in wise. But like if he's buying in and at least trying to get through the screen, just like you know he's tired, like he doesn't have like the extra like burst of energy to like get through. Because like fighting through screens is rough time it is a no, rough I, no time. I again I don't doubt that I just think there was a lot of it's just comparing to what he's going to be seeing I mean gallons and Ivy are too high yeah I get, that. Big Ten. I get like that. I think it was just I was I was I was surprised honestly because offensively he's a very, like looks like a very athletic like strong physical guy and defense I just think I think he got caught like like just running around a little bit I also think something to watch I mean this comes with time and experience is definitely or I'd say this more factors into the defensive end, but just like a little bit, like he needs to be a little more disciplined because there's a lot of, he, he plays with aggression. He's trying to make that kind of highlight real block when he's chasing guys and he's chasing them down and it results in a lot of like stupid fouls and he's given up and ones. And again, that's like, that's kind of like a marginal thing. It's just something, that's something you notice with guys that are more aggressive and play with like more tenacity is that it's like, there's a little bit of give and take there with, like giving up silly plays and stuff like that and tunnel vision. I think that goes both ways, but not, not a huge concern. Just something I noticed when I was also watching his pick and roll possessions and all everything like that. Yeah. I think, I think the Colin Sexton comparison is pretty good um, because I think coming out for both of them, uh, if I remember correctly, like 
it was a little more unclear. Like, is Colin Sexton's, like, scoring stuff going to translate? And it didn't right away. But then the next right. year, he was, like, I think it was sophomore year or his junior, like, the third year. Like, he was, like, a 20 points per game scorer. Um, I, I he was a like twenty points I per game right. at some point. He was at either a second yeah, no, or third he made year. he made a big leap one year, and yeah. I again like like, and I I think I think Johnny Davis could be on that similar trajectory. And the thing is, I he's mean, more physical than Collins. He's like more physically there. I would say six five. I, I agree. Bigger. I I'd also and they, see how his and also see the comparison on the level of like their tenacity too, because both of them are very like aggressive, tenacious offensive players. Yeah. Um. You know, I Colin Sexton was also very locked in on the defensive end too. Um, that, yeah. But was, you know, I could was... see, you know, I can see Johnny Davis like carrying that over to that side of the ball. Hopefully, at least. Yeah, and and hopefully he develops like Sexton did as a shooter. I mean, thirty-one percent now is not great, but eighty percent from the line suggests. Yeah. And, like, and, he's, and he's and he's hitting about, those like, mid ranges like when yeah the mid range guys are hitting like, mid ranges to that level like Paulo and like um what Johnny Davis uh, is doing like I'm I'm like pretty certain that they're going to be like good three-point shooters to the point where like teams are going to close out on them right i agree yeah. i agree yeah there we I have think, it yeah we had it we did it all right uh thank you everyone for listening to this draft edition of the beyond the arc podcast um hopefully we'll have a video or not video a p- another podcast next week uh thank you for listening